G'day, and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark, and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start, but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away, or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel, The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos, along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. Hey, Mark. Hey, hey, guys. And uh, for those uh, listening, tonight we have Rob Borzak with us, who is, Rob is a a current and serving, I suppose, long-serving member of Senate of the Senate in New South Wales, and is uh, are you a founding member or one of the founding uh, uh, members of hunt, uh, Shooters Farmers? Oh, sorry, Shooters Fishers and Farmers Party. Well, it, it was the uh, Shooters Party in the day. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. Um, I wasn't a foundation member, but I was very close after that. I um, mm. I actually was the chairman of the party when John Tingle I launched his first election and. Um, and uh, yeah, was the chairman when he was elected in 1995. So yeah, that's right. So I, and I've had a long involvement with the party. Yeah, and mm. I never, I never realised that John Tingle's uh, daughter is the writer for the ABC. Yes, yeah, she's, uh, she's, uh, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's, she's a lovely lady. <laughs> I didn't realise that until uh, after John passed away, and she, and she, you know, she wrote a piece about him, and I went, oh, yeah, there you yeah. go. I did, didn't have the connection. Yeah. So tonight, um, basically, I suppose, is a, a, a bookend to our original conversation with Mark Benaziak. We've got Robert on, and um, to kick things off, he's, we've already seen, for those listening, we've already seen it, had a quick view of his, um, of his, uh, his uh, collection of uh, trophies. But what oh, we'd cool. like to do, I suppose, to start is, Robert, just give us a, oh, someone. No, no, it's a rundown of you know hunting experience. Hunting experience. Where would you like me to start uh, at the beginning? At the beginning. <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, at, at the, the beginning. beginning. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, my, my hunting experience is I, I wasn't lucky enough to uh, be brought born in the bush or uh, when my parents came to Australia they were very much by themselves. Um, I, I've got a brother and a sister, but of course. Uh, uh, I, I, I came to uh, hunting and shooting and and fishing um, more or less by accident. Um, I didn't have an uncle, uh, although I found out that I have an uncle in Poland and who I have hunted with. He's passed away now, but so I suppose it's in there somewhere in the DNA. Um, that uh, I I've, through school I had some uh, a mate of mine whose father uh, had a farm down south down the south coast and. Uh, uh, I bought a shotgun, uh, an old, uh, not an old, a new, but a savage single barrel, and we used to go down there and shoot rabbits, and uh, uh, that's how I sort of got started. And then we'd shoot. We, we did a lot of spotlighting because an awful lot of rabbits down there. Mm. And uh, I then um, my deer hunting, which is really what I started to get interested in, was uh, when I was about, I think, seventeen or eighteen. I bought my first two, four, three, and. Uh, I joined the New South Wales Deer Stalkers Club, and in those days it was really quite difficult to get a start anywhere. Um, deer hunting was a secret society, um, and you couldn't do it legal in Queensland and all the things that went along with it. And most parts of New South Wales you couldn't get access to, but there were places and up in the New England where we could get access, and that's how pretty much I started that. Um, 
shooting, I think I shot my first fellow when I was probably 18, something like that. Um, shot a lot of pigs in between, um, all those, all the sort of things you'd expect. Um, got my, got a, got a four wheel drive and went out and knocked on doors and got onto a few places over time. Um, I, I was very much tied up in scouting uh, as a young man. Um, my father uh, put us into scouts long before I even got a chance to, to get a rifle or a shotgun. And I went through all of that. And that was really, I suppose, part of what generated my interest in the outdoors and got us out of Sydney and various places, camping and canoeing and kayaking and all things and rock climbing and all the things we did. Um, I'm actually an accountant by profession, although I retired in 2002. Um, and uh, I, I, I was working part-time, studying part-time and uh, also got married and had kids and all of that all happening at once. And somehow or other, I managed to, to jockey in uh, time to do a bit of hunting. Um, I went overseas uh, for the first time in to hunt, that was, in 1979. I went to the UK and Europe, um, and went and hunted, uh, shot seeker deer, fallow deer, uh, Munt Jack, what else was there, and some roe deer in the UK. Did that on and off a few times over the years. Uh, we started a branch. Uh, this is a very, very obviously shortened version of everything, but we started mm. a, a, um, a chapter of Safari Club um, in, um, in Sydney uh, in 1982. I was a foundation member of that. Uh, and, um, and that club is still going, although it's not called Safari Club anymore. Um, I had a falling out with them when they wanted to take all our money, and I said they're not getting it. So they said they wanted their name back. I said, well, you can take it because it's worth nothing to us. Um, yeah. It's, uh, they, they said, oh, but we're protecting hunting. I said, you're not doing anything to protect me in Australia. You know, yeah, I, I, need, I need to have my guns first, and then I'll worry about hunting after that. Of course, and, and uh, the irony is that John Tingle got elected in, in March 1995, and then we had Port Arthur, and we had mm. new gun laws in 1996. And uh, prior to that, I'd... I had, um, as president of Safari Club, I, I started off as a as treasurer, and then, I, and then I don't know whether you ever heard of Gordon Alford, but um, he was the um, he was the foundation president of Safari Club, and then when he retired, he asked me to take over, which I did. Um, and we we spent a bit of time and money trying to lobby. We went to Canberra to talk about import laws. Uh, we we walked all over Parla Parliament House in Macquarie Street, where I've been for the last thirteen years. Uh, talking to people and basically treated it like um, like a dog turd, you know. Oh, you're a shooter, especially after '96. You know, oh, you're yeah, you're despicable. We don't like you. People go away. Um, so yeah, um, I, I I kept my involvement in the party. Uh, I stayed on as chairman until 1999. Uh, I sort of stepped back from it a bit because I had to get get back to work. Uh, I retired in 2002 came back on the state executive in 2003. Uh, we started the Game Council in the the, the, the Game and Feral Animal Control Act passed in 2002. Um, that was really thanks to the hard work of Robert Brown. Uh, he had the vision to do all of that. Uh, he was chairman for a short while, then he, he had to go back to work and he said to me, you know, will you take over as chairman? I said, oh, thanks very much. Um, and I was chairman till from up until 2010, uh, we made some fantastic strides. Um, and then 2011, we had a new, a new government. By 2012, O'Farrell um, 
trashed the game council, trashed everything that we had we had taken nearly a decade to build under Labor. And uh, that was my introduction to uh, dealing with the Liberal Party and the National Party in New South Wales. Um, we had nearly uh, 1.8 million hectares of state and crown land under under the uh, public land hunting program, etc., uh, etc. Et I could go into more detail there, but I mean, it's not much point. Um, I'm actually, just to fast forward, uh, with this new government, I'm actually actively engaged with them at the moment in setting up uh, a new hunting and fishing authority. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get that up and running next year. Um, mm. There's a whole lot of things that these people are, are perhaps a bit disposed to do for us um, because, um, as I say, they're minority government in the lower house. and We don't have any pull there since, the, uh, since our rats deserted the ship and thought about themselves rather than fuck shooters, we're looking after ourselves, you know, even though we got them elected, I got them elected, uh, but that's okay. Uh, but what we will do is um, hopefully get that up and running again and uh, as a self-governing authority rather than what it's become now. Um, it, even though Farrell trashed it, he, he, he couldn't actually destroy it because it's actually in its own right too important now. Um, we've got about 1.3 million hectares of public land running at the moment from a hunting point of view. Mm. Um, we actually did at that time have an agreement to get into 73 national parks and he reneged on that as well. Mm, um, I anyway, remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was, all, it was all very nasty and put a very bad taste in my mouth, in Brown's mouth. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, it just that was just the beginning of things to come with that mob. I mean, they, you, I, it's just unbelievable how bad they were when it came to the sort of things that we love to do. Uh, whether, as I say, whether it's shooting, restrictions are always on. Um, whether it's hunting, as I say, first cab off the rank, he trashes the only real public land hunting program in the whole of Australia, which took us over a decade to set up. Mm. Um, you know, Robert and I and a few other people who, who on the committee of, of the uh, of that uh, uh, hunting authority, the Game Council. Um, we actually booted it from nothing, you know. We, it literally did not exist, and we had to write all the manuals, sort out all the protocols, hire the staff. It was, it was, it was a really, you know, really good thing. But hopefully, we'll get it, we'll get it back again, bigger and better. Um, if we can, if this current government uh, uh, has the um, cojones to do it, and I think they're already making noises that they're interested in. I've got a bill which I will run uh, probably when we come back after Christmas, called the Right to Hunt Bill. And that is, um, that's effectively the core of it is to set up a new uh, hunting and pest management authority in New South Wales, which will take over from where the thing sits at the moment within the Department of Ag and, and have it set up similar to what we had before. And that was an organisation that actually went out and promoted hunting and promoted all the things around it, the culture and all those things. Um, so in between all of that, that's on the political side, but I've my interest in and has been obviously hunting all over Australia. Um, I think pretty much whether it's I've hunted all the species of deer probably three times over. Um, I've hunted all over in New Zealand, um, North America, uh, elk, you know, you name it, um, white tails, pronghorn antelopes. Um, there's still some stuff over there I'd like to get. Um, uh, up in um, Alaska, I shot a, a ten foot two inch brown bear up there on my second or third trip. Uh, back in '95, I'd hate to think what it costs to do that now. Um, I've got a I've got a big moose here, 72 inch spread moose. 
again, I shot him up at the top end of the Alaska Peninsula uh, in 92. Um, I got a elk, a 12 point elk I shot in the snow in uh, New Mexico in about 2007, I think, or 2008, something like that. Um, yeah, I could go on. I, I, I've hunted in um, in Africa, uh, mostly in um, I've done in South Africa, uh, um, uh, Zimbabwe mostly, um, and also in Namibia. I've done three or four trips to Namibia. I've done probably half a dozen trips to Zimbabwe over the years. Uh, I've shot eight elephants in that period of time. I've shot kudus, lions, Cape buffaloes. Probably the only thing I haven't bothered with is rhino because I don't think they're a sporting proposition anymore. Um, but you, uh, um, yeah, have you shot a springbok? Red deer in New Zealand. I'm tar hunting. <laughs> got one. I've have got about three have or four. A, you yeah. haven't shot a springbok, have you, Robert? Because your but, opportunity uh, not... is right here. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, oh, 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 I can see a shirt. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. Go <laughs> away. Go handy. away. That's right. <laughs> uh, we. Uh, I'm. I'm, I'm glad Eddie Jones went back to Japan. <laughs> oh, well, there's a conversation. Uh, I think Ian's a bit sore on, the, on what happened on yeah. Sunday morning. No, uh, uh, well, uh, I mean, I, uh, Brian Boyle, who who works for me in Parliament House now, he uh, used to be the CEO he? of the Game Council, and he's a mm. he's a, uh, a a um a failed Kiwi, and uh, <laughs> he's uh, even he's walking around with a trophy at the moment since they lost to the South Africans. <laughs> Yes, well, oh, that's, that's, right. Right. that's for sure. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's a, we we hunted with him last year, in fact. Oh, did you? Whereabouts? Northern Territory. Oh, and into yeah. the territory. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we hunted with him with the. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, he, uh, he, he he was because you know I used to con talk to him occasionally after he got he got sacked by uh, by the government here in about two thousand and twelve or thirteen, and then he found a job up there and made a home up there for ten years or whatever it is, and. Uh, he um he uh he said to me oh, I want to come back and actually it was a good thing happened one of my staff left and I said well you want to come back and work with me here and let's make some waves and he said do I what so he's he came over he came about this time yeah about this time last year he mm -hmm. came over came yeah. down and uh, he's working with me now and uh, I wish I'd have had him back again four or five years ago but anyway um there's a whole lot of things that we can do uh, and we have been doing um. Uh, which he's got the skill set that I don't have. You know, he's got the, the science background, and I think he's got a master's degree uh, in in deer or whatever you call it, and a whole bunch of other things. And we're writing submissions and doing things, you know. But um, yeah, he's 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 a good, keen man, as they say. So uh, yeah, You've got a nickname yeah, well, he, in the territory that we probably won't share to... on the podcast, but um, it's hard. Uh, Brian Beebe. Right. Um, <laughs> It was um, yeah. It's hard to imagine him outside of us hunting a tire and, and working and working in government. That's uh, yeah. yeah. I'll my head around that one. Hmm. He's a good egg. Yeah, well, he doesn't dress much better in my office either. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but, but he, he he doesn't have to. He's uh, his knees are just about stuffed, you know, with all this bloody karate he does, and uh, hmm. he's heading for a knee replacement. Um, yeah. But I've, I'll still squeeze a few more years out of him and see how it goes. You know. Oh yeah. So we he's um in, he's living up in Newcastle. Yeah, he said. Well, we, we were when we were up there. He thought he was going to be the 
the last conversation we had with him that he he thinks oh I'm going to be here for another year or so, and then he literally said, "Well, I'm I'm heading back to um, New South Wales." Very quickly after, so things must have moved pretty quickly for him. But yeah, we yeah, yeah. we spent a we spent a week with him on a um, uh, private block outside of Mataranka and watching him um, uh, put a fairly significant dent into the donkey population. He does. He's got donkeys and horses. He loves like, shooting them. Yeah, yeah. He, he certainly does. Um, yeah, so we had a great time up there with him, and we're, we're, we will be up there again. Uh, uh, next year, and hopefully we'll be hunting some of the contacts we met with him while we were up there. So, yeah, yeah, rumour has time. it that it's great might even make, we're actually might even make a cameo. Yeah, appearance I, I hope he does. Yeah. That, I hope he does, and we actually wouldn't mind hunting with him down down around Newcastle, or you know, a bit in the New England. Now that he's he's down in New South Wales, so yes. Oh yeah, there's plenty of he's, opportunity. He's a, he's a he's a he's a favourite of ours, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he's a good mate of mine, and uh, you know, the, 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 I, I tell you a little story. I don't know whether he would have told you this, but when we were hiring for the game council, um, he applied for the um, he applied for the job of operations manager because we had a we had an idea at that time that we would have someone who was a bureaucrat who would um, who in theory would be able to deal with the government issues and functions and processes because none of us had any idea how that worked when we were trying to set this thing up and. Uh, but we thought, well, I, I, I said, look, I insisted that if we're going to have an opera, if we're going to be a hunting organisation, we've got to have someone who's got that background that can run it, who is a hunter, got to be a genuine one, not a, not a, you know, not a paper puncher or some bullshit artist who thinks he knows what he's talking about. So anyway, he turned up at the uh, for the interview, and uh, and you know, as we're talking away, I said to him, was the effect of, oh, you know, have you done much hunting? Yeah, and I asked him a few questions to see whether he was bullshitting or not. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I know. I've, I've just, in fact, I've just been for a hunt this morning. I said, "Oh yeah, where'd you go?" He said, "Oh, I was down around Helensburg and I shot and, and uh, I shot a rooster." I said, "Oh, did you?" I said, "What's what's a rooster look like?" He said, "Oh, well, come and have a look in the boot of the car, and I'll show you." And there, there, he's got a decapita- decapitated rooster. And I said, "You got the job." <laughs> that sounds only, like if only that yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. job. Just my. <laughs> That's right. It's, 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 yeah, well, bring, that's right. Uh, no. Bringing his own office, bringing his own office decorations. That's that's, that's a, that's yeah, a yeah, confident that's right. move. That's a confident move. Yeah, that's right. He had he had a, a decapitated rooster in the boot of the car. I mean, you couldn't be more genuine than that. Sure. Mm. Um, hey, Robert. Yeah, before how, we move on from, um, a... sorry, before we move on from from all, all the stories, would you mind giving uh, those that are watching this uh, uh, a a round tour of your, um, of well, we'll call it the man cave, your office there with all of the, the trophies and bits and pieces. You've oh, okay. The billiard room. The billiard room. Yeah, it's actually. I live in an I live in an old Victorian house in Asheville in Sydney, which built in about 1883, and uh, this billiard room extension was about 10 years after that, and uh, it's not ideal because it's got too many windows, but uh, I've I've crammed not about as much as I can animals. in here at this stage, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, okay. Uh, there's uh, it's a fair bit of stuff there. Um, yeah. Where am I? Oh, yeah, that, I'm just trying to think. I'm orientating myself, yeah. i got my sheep there. I, I, I like the sheep hunting in North America. Oh, I like the sheep. Mm, they got wow. the, the kudus and... Yep, yeah, the full yeah. mount sheep big, coming down. Big horn. Oh, there's actually two of them there, actually. There's yeah, one yeah, there's, there's, a big horn, there's a big horn and then the uh, doll sheep coming, uh, yeah, coming that's down right. the hill. And then... Uh, 
Is that a the, Cape Buffalo lights. there? What's yeah, I've got the... two. There's a, there, you see one Cape Buffalo there. Down low. Yep. The big black fella. Yeah. And there's, there's, a, there's an eland. Yeah. He's got his head down in the sort of sneak position. Yeah. There is, there is two there, but you can't quite see the other one. Um, there's a, there's the a red. The lights are a bit, a bit bright. There. Um, yeah. There's a red there then, uh, next to the Cape. Mm. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got like, that red deer in New Zealand, of course, and then his tips there. Yeah, back wall. I've got sable, and what else have I got there? There's an eland. Spear. There's a kudu. I've yeah, got a, 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 prop, a properly mounted uh, springbok. That's the way I like to see him. <laughs> <laughs> there's even a good looking goat there. There's a feral goat. Yeah, there. there's, a, there's a couple of uh, forty-two inch plus goats there yeah. somewhere. Um, there's uh, the uh, prong, seeker. prong hand. Pronghorns, uh, you know, there's a Samba, um, Barren Ground, Caribou. Where, oh, where that's what going? that is. That's it. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I've come around the wrong way, but oh, no, I've come around the right way. And it's then... It's a moose. There's a moose. Yeah, moose is, oh, you can just sort of see his antlers poking out of the corner there. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a, a mountain moose. caribou there. And then another another pronghorn. Pronghorn. The tar. The tar and there. The chamois. I can't chiddle? show you the bear because he's in the he's in the uh, front foyer of the house. He's not in here. Uh, I I've, got. I've got a lion skin here somewhere. Uh, I've been I've been pretty lucky over the years. Tar. Uh, although I'm not sure how my knees would go these days if I was running around tar hunting. Um, Unbelievable. And you got my ugly head again, and then <laughs> wow, I got I got some seeker there, uh, some roe deer. Uh, Neil Guy from Texas. What else have I got yeah. there? Our Dad. Um, mountain Caribou. Where's oh my white tails are in the other room, yeah. Uh well, there he is, see him there? Yep. That's it. That's yeah. a New Zealand white tail. Um, yeah, and that's sort of oh, there's a warthog here which I haven't unpacked yet. Down there. He's still <laughs> from one of my trips. I don't know. What, I don't know what I'm going to do with him, but anyway. And I've, and I've got a caracal wrapped up in that plastic. So I shot that in South Africa in about six or seven years ago. And, and of I course, just got it back from the tax, taxidermist. And of course, under all that, there's a billiard table. Yeah, well, it, I don't get to play billiards very, very much on it. Um, <laughs> so Robert, uh, yeah, there's, so there's, there's, a, a, there's a few there's animals a thousand here. Stories. And I've got some more in the house. There's a thousand stories on the walls. Can you pick one out and talk to us about the particular animal in the hunt? Is there a favourite? Oh, I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's, well, I suppose they're, I mean, they're all my favourites really because they, 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 as you know, they every hunt, you know, uh, brings mm. back different memories and uh, some are good, some are bad, some are, some you suffer under, some you don't. Um, but probably the, uh, the this, 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 uh, Tar. That's why I got him full mounted. I shot him in about 1986, I think it was, um, up the Havelock arm of the Wonga, uh, Wonga Tata. And uh, no, yeah, I think it was. Anyway, um, unbeknownst to me, uh, 18 months earlier, I had um, I had uh, completely torn my anterior cruciate ligament on my left knee. Ouch. And of course, I did it hunting. How else would you do it? Uh, but most people in those days did it when they were skiing or something like that. And it took me oh, from about 19, whenever it was, it took me four or five years. And I, I climbed from the from the riverbed to the tops, uh, chasing tar over a 10-day period. 
uh, God knows how many times with this torn ligament. And uh, it was all right going uphill, but it was no damn good coming downhill. You keep slipping and sliding, and you, 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 the top of your knee's not connected. Sorry, the top of your leg's not connected to your lower leg. And it was the most painful, most difficult thing I've ever done in my life uh, because I didn't have it diagnosed at that time. Um, they Even, you know, when you... I went and had it x-rayed and I whinged and moaned to the doctor and I had a fool of a doctor who couldn't identify what was wrong with me. So that was the most memorable hunt. And I think still, I still think to this day, even if you're fit and you do it properly and you hunt fair, uh, top to bottom every day or whatever you want to do, or fly camp up in the up in the tops, um, that they are the, the premium game animal in the South Pacific, mm. uh, in the uh, Southern Alps of New Zealand. And um, that's probably to me, if not the favourite, certainly the most memorable and most painful hunt I've ever had in my life. Um, but there's plenty of other, you know, things. I've Cape buffalo hunting, I, I'm doing that in Zimbabwe in um, 1990. That was good. Uh, some of the elephant elephants I've shot uh, have been a little bit uh, scratchy at times, a little bit dangerous. Um, but uh, what else? Yeah, I mean, the, the moose uh, I shot in Alaska. You um, you mentioned eating elephant, didn't you, in in Parliament once? That's what I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. They they the, the Greens were what trying to stir you me to up. Put yourself you know, under the, that spotlight. <laughs> oh well, oh well. I'm I'm proud of what I do. I don't care what anyone says about sure. me, and uh, you know, I I believe in in you know these fools who think that this this stuff doesn't happen have to be brought back to reality. So I don't mm. I don't hide what I do. Uh, I've got deer heads all over my office in Parliament House. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't hide what I do, and I'm, I'm renowned for it now. And if they don't like it, well, yeah, they can do the other thing. And someone said to me in the house at one stage, because they, they just, they discovered that I had been elephant hunting. Well, they didn't discover it. I told them where to go and find it. I stuck it on a, I wrote a couple of articles and I stuck it on um, uh, John Hahn's uh, website. Uh, probably 15 years ago and uh, <laughs> on, on, a, on a hunt that I did there, did in Zimbabwe. And uh, and someone said to me, a smart ass, oh, I suppose you eat it. And I said, of course I, I, I ate some. I mean, have you ever seen how quickly the locals eat an elephant? You'd be, mm. you'd be amazed, you know, the, the, within, um, within five or six hours, it's just a red smear on the ground and that's all gone, the whole lot. Uh, and they asked me whether I want some. I said, "Well, you know, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I'll give it a try. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But uh, no. tough as old boots. But um, for, mm. for those poor buggers in Zimbabwe who uh, have, um, you know, really protein starved, they li these people literally live in rags. Mm. And uh, when when we go over there, we take bags and bags and bags of clothes with us as well, and we we give them give it out. You know." It's a uh, it's a shocking shocking uh, situation that these poor buggers have to put up with, and, and the Australians, not, not so much you guys, but the people I deal with in, in Macquarie Street, they have no idea about how good they've got it here compared yeah. to what uh, people in Africa have to put up with. You know, um, they just don't understand, and they never will. Yeah, I heard interesting some a very interesting comment about that. Someone was commenting about this, you know, the the concept of privilege, and they said one. There's one privilege that most people won't admit, and that's first world privilege. You know, and the fact that we've got, you know, infinite access to energy, food is no problem other than it's simple, the cost of it. Um, you know, running water, health, 
that's a privilege that you know it's living in that australia is, that, that is a true that is a true privilege yeah, yeah. compared living to a, a goodly chunk a... of the world that is real privilege yeah that's right and living in australia is not just it is a privilege and it's we they just don't, well, a lot of people just don't realize how lucky they are mm. I've, I've been very lucky to be able to travel for business and also privately all over the world in the last you know 50 years and uh uh, the, the, you, you will not find, even today, even though we whinge about it, you will not find a better place in Australia. Um, and you've only got to look at the results of that refer nonsense referendum that they tried to push through uh, to understand that, you know, I, I still have confidence in my heart that uh, the average Australian does have common sense. And when given the opportunity to illustrate uh, and tell the elites where to go and what to do, um, Despite all the money and all the hectoring and all the lecturing and all of the advertising and et cetera, et cetera, and all the guilt tripping and all the abuse, um, they just simply said, well, we think what you're putting forward is not the right thing. And and uh, the no vote got up. And, uh, you know, I thought to myself, well, you know, I, I, I did expect it from a political point of view to fail, uh, but I didn't expect it to fail so comprehensively I thought they might have at least won one state but you know they, they won the ACT which didn't count anyway mm. uh, and you can understand why they won the ACT um, uh, again that's a that's a whole nother story but if you guys live in Queensland you can understand why mm. it's a lot year it's a lot mm. year from the politics of, uh, of the deep north that's for sure so, I mean, we, we, we offline before we were talking about, you know, the, the, the original idea is should I write a letter to, to my Member of Parliament? And, you know, you actually came up with quite an interesting um, viewpoint about that and it's probably worth exploring. So rather than um, to rehash, what is your opinion then of, of what an average punter who is uh connected to what he does as a hunter how how do how do we fit into the political spectrum or and and, and honestly do we fit well i look i i'll start out by saying that um that there's no substitute for being in parliament if you want to make a difference you you've got to have someone there representing your interests yeah and that's not because robert borzak's a professional politician i'm not it's simply that uh, if you want to take an example of how people have met, uh, a, a party has managed to turn Australia in a particular direction and uh, basically drive uh, the Labor Party, for example, on all sorts of issues, and the Liberal Party now, uh, and to a lesser degree the Nationals, it's the Greens. Uh, they've been represented in party in Parliament, and they came into the New South Wales Parliament, which they, I think was their first place they were ever elected, in mm. 1995 in exactly the same election that John Tingle was elected for the Shooters' Party. Uh, and, um, and and look what they look at the mess they've made out of Australia and how they've multiplied all over the place. Um, yet our party, because of what happened with Port Arthur, I, I think that put us well and truly behind the eight ball, but... I wouldn't say that was the only thing, but in the end, um, they have, because of their situation, not just in the New South Wales Parliament, but in every parliament and federal all over Australia, they've managed to turn the country to their will. Mm. Um, 
you know, we could only dream of having that sort of influence over the same period of time. Um, you know, we've got two people in the upper house here. We've got one in Victoria. Uh, we had one in, in WA. Um, he lost his seat at the last election. Um, I've just rebooted the party over there. Hopefully at the next election next year, we're just re-registering with a little bit of luck. When there's a change in the electoral system over there, we might actually get re-elected again. But, you know, that's you know, that's about the best we've been able to do. I, like I said earlier, we got three members elected in the lower house who then turned around and sold out to the Liberals. That's what they did and uh, sold us out. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. Um, and uh, so to answer your question, it's still important to write letters. It's still important to go and knock on your local member's door. Uh, let them know you're there. Don't take no for an answer. Uh, you know, especially if there's a particular issue that's on the on the run, for example, at any particular time, it's important that you actually are represented, that they know you're there and that you've got a voice. And, uh, you know, I hunt and I, I vote, I fish and I vote. Those things are very important. Um, so it's better to, better to have both, to be in Parliament and to be able to rally outside of Parliament House and uh, have an organised party like the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party uh, get out there and run a campaign. And uh, we've run several very successful campaigns in New South Wales uh, over the years, uh, out in the streets, uh, in, in the front of Parliament House, yelling and screaming and, you know, uh, with, a, with a bullhorn and all that sort of stuff. So that they know, in New South Wales at least, that we know how to campaign. They know that we know how to make a difference and represent ourselves. Um, so... When you take that combination of grassroots interest and political representation, uh, you can actually uh, achieve a bit. And even if all you're achieving is stopping it getting worse, uh, that's a hell of a lot when you've got mm. the major parties uh, prepared to do whatever they they think they can do, whatever they like to you. And um, uh, and they've done it. Um, but uh, we we've also been in a position. Again, this is in New South Wales, uh, where we've been on the crossbench in the upper house and we've been able to, uh, at, from time to time, assert some control over our votes, which have been needed by the government. And what we did certainly in the last four years and eight, or eight years of the previous government is that um, uh, we were I was instrumental in rewriting with the cooperation of... Um, some of the other crossbench, one of the Greens, as a matter of fact, David Shoebridge, and the Labor Party, who were in the opposition, rewrite re the standing orders in the upper house to make it more favourable to crossbench parties, including ourselves. So it gave us a bit more uh, influence, um, and we just simply couldn't do business with the government, so we just spent our time kicking them wherever we could. Um, I don't like to say that, but that's what we had to do. They just simply... They were disingenuous, um, they lie, they cheat, they make promises. We did deals with them. We did deals with Mike Baird, for example. Um, I mean, at least Barry O'Farrell was a skunk and he dudded us and he did it publicly and he, he called me for everything under the sun when he left Parliament. But I paid him back politically. But uh, Mike Baird, when he became Premier after that, he, um, he just woke up one morning and said, oh, I think I'm going to ban the greyhound racing industry because these people are despicable. And, uh, you know, again, it's a long story, but I won't bore you with it, but I actually had a lot of contacts in the industry and we started a campaign to save it and we saved it. Um, and it's going 
quite well today. In fact, it's probably better now than it was before because it's probably a little bit over-regulated in some places, but it will settle down. But at least the industry's there, you know. Uh, it's turning over uh, $2, you know, $2 billion a year or something like that on the to that type of stuff. So, you know, there are and, – and these people recognise what we do and they hopefully vote for us at the, at the elections because, you know, in New South Wales you've got 250, 260,000 licensed shooters uh, if every shooter voted for us every time, then we'd, we'd be laughing. But, uh, of course, that doesn't happen. Um, many shooters, many hunters have other more pressing priorities in their life and uh, they may vote in, in other ways. So we have to scratch around and look for other constituents that will support us as well. And, you know, that's where we started as the Shooters Party, then we added fishers to it, and then in 2016 we added farmers. And I think that's where we'll end. I'm not going to put any more on there. So, for a lot of people, you know, approaching their local member of parliament is a daunting task. It's, not, it's something that they, you know, unless they, uh, I suppose, work in that world, the the whole idea is almost, you know, foreign to them. You know, they they possibly may may or might not be able to pick their, you know, their local member of parliament out of a lineup. Uh, they probably have never spoke to them, and if they did, it was like you know the local shopping centre as they walk past type thing. So, how does someone? What would be your advice if someone's listening and say, like, okay, I'd like to talk to you know my local member parliament about about what I do? How would they? What's the best way that they could actually go about that? Well, I mean, all all local members, um, not so much in New South Wales, uh, for example, as an upper house member, we don't. We don't have a, a uh, um, electorate office because yeah. the whole of our whole of the state is our electorate, mm. so mm. Um, we don't have we don't have an area office. Uh, but if you're really the people you want to talk to is the lower house, um, you, you just simply you know go to go to their front go to their office door, knock on it, and say, um, and they all have a receptionist and they all have staff there, and say, well, look, I, my name's such and such. I live here. Um, I would like to come and talk to. Joe blogs about um, the couple of the issues that are important to me, and they'll say, "Oh well, tell us what you're interested in," or whatever, and say, "Look, I want to make an appointment," mm -hmm. and 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 then uh, you know, give them a written summary of what you're you're interested in. You know, I want, I, whether it's a local issue, or whether it's a gun-related issue, or whether it's a fishing, or you know, four-wheel driving is another thing that you know you get badly treated by uh, here in New South Wales. I'm certain it's the same in Queensland. Um, et cetera, et cetera, and, and just be up front, know who they are, know what party they belong to, uh, and just go and knock on their door and say, I'm here, I want, I want you to support me or I want you to talk in terms of, you know, if you've got any questions on that you want me to answer for you uh, when I'm talking to you about it, I'm, I'd be happy to. Um, understand that um, at the next election I'll be watching what happens and uh, if necessary I will go and, uh, hand out for the party that's trying to beat you. You know, if if, if the conversation gets around that way, mm. uh, they don't like they don't like that sort of language. But uh, it's a democracy, and you're entitled to tell them politely exactly uh, what you'd like them to do, and they're politely entitled to tell you to go away too. But um, uh, if you don't if you don't ask, you don't get. And that's really what it gets down to. So uh, I, I think the days of Australians just not worrying about um, politics uh, is over. And if you believe that. You can still work through life without the woke of this world taking you over and destroying everything you you believe in or everything you like. 
hunting and fishing will be the first things to go. And uh, mm. uh, I, you know, I, I say quite often to our guys that if we hadn't fought so hard in the last 12 years under the coalition government here in New South Wales, we'd have basically lost almost every gun we have. We would have lost 99, 95% of recreational saltwater fishing would have been gone. Uh, the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act would have been actually rewritten as animal rights law with their own police force. Um, I can keep going. I mean, it's just there is no, there is nothing that they won't touch. Um, and uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I could, I could keep talking. So yeah, it's important to have the grassroots representation. Encourage people to go and knock on the door of their local member. Write letters. Um, uh, you know, work with work with people on issues to to do uh, petitions. Um, I'll give you another example. How what we've done here in New South Wales um, about five or six years ago. Yeah, about five and a half six years ago, I negotiated a uh, an MOU, a memorandum of understanding, with the, uh, the the president of the SSAA at the time. Who he's still there now, uh, Lance Miller, in the uh, in New South Wales. And basically, what the MOU says is, look, we're happy to work together. Uh, you know, the SSAA's got 65, 66,000 members in New South Wales, so it's it's an organisation that's got a uh, that can be noticed by government, um, and it's important for the government to know and notice that we're working with them. Mm. And uh, so we've we've done a few campaigns on a, on a few issues uh, where we've been successful in turning the government's ideas around, and um, and that was under the old government uh, and. Uh, the new government, of course, uh, the Labor Party, which is a minority government, um, doesn't want to rock the boat, but they do recognise that there's an alliance there now that we can work together on. And we do it through petitions. We did it through direct representation. Uh, them, For example, writing to their members and telling their members to go and see their local members, just as we're discussing now. All those sorts of things. Um, uh, we, we don't tell them what to do. Uh, we can't. But it's a memorandum of understanding. We're working cooperatively together for the same goals. You know, we're, we're helping them with shooting ranges. Um, uh, we're helping them with, uh, and, we, and we do it for all hunting clubs and shooting clubs. But just that they are, because they're so large, they're noticed by government. So it's important for them to have a voice and for them to be working with us on the on important issues that uh, that we can then roll out. To the benefit of all of the hunters and shooters in New South Wales. Mm. So, and I suppose it's also also worth mentioning, like when you were talking about rocking up to the office and making an appointment. I mean, your local member, at, at, you know, in the lower house in New South Wales and here in Queensland, because we don't we, that they, they were all technically lower house. They'll actually probably have a day within their in their diary, weekly days, when they actually have those meetings. Mm. So. You asking for a, an appointment is uh, it might not be the next Friday or whatever it is because the appointment might be full, but you're actually well within your you know right to ask for that appointment, set a time, and turn up to that appointment. Yeah, look, I, I you know long before when I was when I was um, long before we got the party was formed even, and uh, long before I got involved with it, um, when I, we were trying to do lobbying uh, on as, as Safari Club, we. We used to go and visit uh, members of parliament in their offices. Uh, we'd find out who the minister for environment is, and we'd go and see see her. And we'd find out who the minister for agriculture is, and go and see them. And at one stage, we were lobbying, trying to get hunting in state forests, and 
basically got laughed at. Um, I got thrown out of a couple of offices in Canberra because I was a despicable human being, uh, all those sorts of things. That's what sort of in the end turned me turned me away from just thinking, well, and we, we actually used to pay a lobbyist that took us to meet these, these politicians, and it was just 100% waste of time and money. Um, they, they had no respect for us at all. And I wouldn't say it's that way now. Um, they, they, I think certainly in New South Wales, they have a fair bit of respect for us because we've made and we've made and, and we've broken uh, pro, uh, premiers in New South Wales, certainly in the last 10 years, uh, 12 years. So, you know, um, unfortunately, not every state is the same that you'll get that opportunity. Um, but New South Wales is... Uh, a bit unique in the way that we have it set up, almost very similar to what happens federally um, in terms of uh, the upper house. We run two terms, two four-year terms. So I was just re-elected for another eight-year term in March, and um, and Mark is run, running through his second four-year term now, and he's up for re-election in in four years from now in March. So uh, that's right, because you kind of like have a you guys have a half election in the in the upper house, don't you? Mm. Yeah, and that's and that's the same as what happens in Canberra. Although, that's right. Although we have fixed four-year terms, and in Canberra they have variable three-year terms, like mm. they can go early and go late and all that sort of stuff. We we can't do that in New South Wales. They're just fixed. That's it. Every the third the third Saturday, I think, every four years uh, yeah. has to, has to be election day in New South Wales. Which is that's a similar really... model. Well, similar model that we have in Queensland now with the fixed terms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, New South Wales were the first ones to start mm. that, and a lot of other states have followed it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I think it's a really interesting perspective. What are you saying? I'm uh, just saying it's a really interesting perspective from 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 the outside looking in. It, it seems as if uh, you know hunting and shooting is on the back foot all the time. It's getting worse and it's getting worse and it's getting worse, despite the efforts. But you paint a completely different picture. Well, not a hundred percent different, but you paint a picture that says that you've gone from being you know, turfed out of office as being, you know, despicable people to getting an ear and being understood and, and actually having a position, like a, a notable position uh, in Parliament now. That That's quite different oh, to yeah. what a lot of people yeah. would have thought. Yeah, yeah that's... No, no, nobody treats, uh, certainly in New South Wales, nobody treats a shooter and a hunter as a despicable human being anymore, I can tell you that now. Hmm. Um, I, I don't cringe at all. Nobody does. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I, that's a good observation. I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, that, I suppose that comes with the territory. If you're making a difference, then, um, then, uh, you can, uh, be respected for what you do. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. And, uh, there's no, there's no one shy in this government or in the previous one that would come and talk to us about shooting or hunting or fishing or anything like that, because, uh, they come to see us about all sorts of things that, frankly, we're not fucking interested in either. But uh, if they need our vote, they'll come and talk to us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. when that's when you get a bit of leverage. And, um... and it, you, know, it, you know, I suppose that the the moral of the story there is it's better to be inside the tent than outside the tent. And um, so it's about yeah, I think, getting I think so. getting I... getting representation in the tent, isn't it? Well, uh, being engaged too uh, yeah. as an individual is important, you know. Um, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I was a foundation member, and I, I say this to the guys quite often. Foundation member in 1982 of our of our hunting club, 
uh, and and I was president, and then I was treasurer, and then president, and then I was on the committee, and I've never left it, of course, but I'm a life member of it. But um, now, uh, at my age, I just turned seventy in August. Uh, I'm president again, <laughs> so I, I don't want to be president. <laughs> but um, but you know, people um, have I don't know. People have you know I I didn't have a lot of time, but I did it. Um, People don't have a lot of time, uh, and I think people work a lot harder to get less these days. Inflation and the cost of living and everything is very, very high, mm. uh, and that seems to be an issue with everybody. Of yeah. course, if you're if you're half there, a lot of the people that are opposing us uh, in the Greens, for example, a lot of them, uh, and uh, Animal Justice Party, for example, these people don't have children. They don't have families to bring up. You know, um, and I'm not saying that in the nasty way. A few of them do, of course. You know, quite ordinary in, in other ways. But there are a lot of them that are just um, political animals, and they only live for the change that they can wrought on society. Whereas our role is really, or my role has been, yes, I'd like to change things favourably too, and we have done a bit of that. But our our role, certainly in the last twelve years that I've been in Parliament, because I came in at the tail end of the previous Labor government. Um, has been really one of defence and uh, trying to do the best we can to keep what we've got. And uh, I don't think, apart from getting a change to the paintball laws in New South Wales, which was about four or five years ago, um, I don't think we actually got very much done um, other than we stopped them on an awful lot of stuff um, mm. when it came to reclassification of firearms or uh, we had an ammunition bill where they actually were touting around that was probably back in 2016 or 17, they were touting around that you'd actually have to turn up with a copy of your registration certificate of your firearm to buy ammo. That sort of nonsense, you know. Um, the stuff that was coming out was just mind-boggling. Um, uh, this time round, new government, new approach. Um, again, I find, the, generally speaking, the people in the Labor Party are, uh, in New South Wales, at least, I don't know anywhere else, are a little bit more down to earth. It's easier to talk to them. They are, they've watched us in action in the place since since 1995. Um, if it's not me, then it was Brown or it was Tingle or it was someone else. Now it's Mark or it was Roy Smith. Um, they, they can understand what we're all about. Um, they don't necessarily, as I say to the guys, they don't have a hard on just to do us over because they can on guns. Um, I don't believe that that's what their agenda is. And especially if they're in minority government, well, you know, they, they don't want to offend too many people. And what we've shown is that shooters can be very effective campaigners. Um, uh, while uh, what, I, what I've done um, since 2012 is uh, there's, a, there's an organisation in the United States called the Leadership Institute, and it's a conservative training organisation that trains political activists in the conservative side of politics in the United States. And we have we send our people over there to do the education courses. Hmm. So in other words, learn how to do politics. Because I mean, I, and I've done two courses myself over there. Uh, we've just had a group of three of our guys just come back from there uh, doing a political fundraising course. And the, the and, and you know you can do a candidates course, you can do a campaign managers course. There's a 
hundred different things they operate on and offer over there. Uh, the level of sophistication in politics is so much higher than what it is here. And in a small party like ours, we can't afford to make the mistakes uh, that the major parties have made uh, in the last hundred years. That's taught them how to do politics properly. Um, as soon as we make a mistake and we lose a member, that's the end of us. Yeah. So um, for a small cost of money, we can send people over there and we can learn how to do these things. And we've learned how to campaign very well. We've learned how to fundraise pretty well. Um, uh, yeah, even though all of the things they teach us over there, probably about 75% are relevant. Um, the other 25% would be specifically relating to the United States. So there's a whole... There's a whole vista of things that you, you can do if you have the money and the organisation and the structure uh, and the interest to get it done. Um, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, in, in, that, in that way, I quite enjoy what I'm doing. I didn't come to this uh, in politics to be a politician. As I say, I was an accountant and I retired in 2002. And that's one reason why there's so many dead animals in here because I've, I've got around as much as I possibly could in that, in that period. I haven't actually done a lot of hunting since I went into Parliament, um, because the uh, the workload is um, is crazy uh, at mm. times, and other times it's dead boring. But twelve years with the coalition, we always had something to campaign on and go after them on. Always, it's uh, it just it just went without saying. They were always cooking up something that would end up uh, doing us in uh, on some small way, uh, whether it was. Um, I'll give you an. Uh, are you guys, you're getting bored yet? I, no, I, no, no, no. I was actually going to make an observation that what's really interesting in what you're saying here is that, you know, all too often this kind of is described as a really kind of binary. So if you, you know, if you're this side of the gut politics, this is how you look at the world. If you're this side of politics, this is how you look at the world. What you're saying is that. It's you know there's many views of the world and there's many you know we may all agree that cats need to be skinned but the approach of it is is up to the individual type thing you know yeah that's right I think um, look the thing that did us if you're just looking at it purely from a gun ownership point of view the thing that did us in was uh, back in '96 when they went bipartisan in other words mm. both of them. You know, they swim around, oh, we go this way, we'll follow you, you know, that sort of thing. Um, from a political point of view, um, you have to try and work a way that you can put a wedge in there that uh, will stop one party or one, one group, the opposition or the government, whoever they happen to be, of the two major sides, whether it's Labor or whether it's coalition, um, and the see what you can do to try and put a wedge in there to stop that one-size-fits-all one approach to things. and. Um, mm. Uh, it, that's difficult, but it's not. Nothing's impossible, and um, I think in New South Wales, it's uh, uh, it is difficult. Uh, it's it's almost impossible in Western Australia, Queensland. Traditionally, you've been pretty good, uh, but you know things change, and, and there's, on a lot of issues now, there's very little difference between what the coalition were prepared to do to you, whether you're a shooter, a fisher, a hunter. Uh, four-wheel driver, and what the uh, the Labor Party will do to you, you know, um, there there's there's not a lot of difference between them. That's what I found in New South Wales, anyway. Uh, until you and, go and to the. What do you think that is? What do you think that is? Is it because is the difference more? Um, is 
Well, is is the similarity because the fact that both parties are drawing people primarily from one one strata of, of, of society? You know, they're mostly coming from the same kind of schools, went to the same kind of universities, kind of live in the same area, kind of know with the same people type thing? Yeah, well, I think... I think that um, both of them have a constituency, right? Still on the on the edges, mm. the right and the left. Uh, but so the war is for the middle, as it always is. Um, there's also been a general move in in politics in Australia, and I think it's probably across the whole of the Western world, where um, politics is generally moving more to the left, especially when you look at the um, the march of the left through the universities and through the tertiary education system and now through the primary education system. Um, and uh, the, the so-called conservative parties uh, pretty much lost their way because they're not, they're not appealing to the younger generations who are seeing life through this sort of more left-wing vision, if you like. Um, that's why I was quite heartened to see the result that we saw in the, in the uh, referendum, for example, because that's a very specific question that was asked. But what it did illustrate is that, that there are, there's a certain elite of people in Australia that think in a particular way, and they just assume everybody else thinks that way. But in the end of the day, that's not the case. And if you can exploit that difference from, from a political point of view as a shooter and a hunter, uh, then you're in with a chance to maintain and keep our culture going, and that's what—that's the big one of the big things that sort of come through to me in in the years I've actually been in Parliament is that I talk about hunting and fishing now as cultural activities, whereas I never I never thought of it that way uh, before I went into Parliament, uh, or even you know I, I yeah I, you just go hunting you know you just go fishing, but but. And, and I've got a right to do it. Well, actually, no, you don't have a right to do it. Uh, and given the right circumstances, doesn't matter what the government is, whether it's Labor, Liberal, National, uh, certainly Greens, Animal Justice, if they're involved, they'll take it off you because they can. That's what it gets down to. And so you have to understand that, and the people that you talk to have to understand that, that, you know, when... They're not always going to have a right to fish, for example, go fishing. And you've seen just seen what they've done in, in WA. Mm. Um, you know, New South Wales in 2018, um, they were going to declare 23 new marine parks, uh, including the whole of Sydney Harbour, uh, in probably, that's probably 95% of the best fishing, recreational fishing reserves up and down the coast. Uh, 23 new ones, and uh, that would have effectively finished finished recreational fishing, saltwater fishing in New South Wales. And we got out and campaigned against it, and that was the Liberal Party doing that, cheered on by the National Party. Niall Blair, who was the leader of the Nationals in our place, in, our, in the Upper House, was the Minister for Agriculture, and he, um, he was pushing this thing through. Uh, two years ago, the, the Minister for Agriculture, again, based on instructions from the National Minister for Agriculture, based on instructions from the Liberal Party, was sponsored the changes to the Prevention of Cruel to Animals Act that would have effectively made it, well, almost illegal to catch fish, uh, to tell a dog to go and chase cattle, 
or or, or sheep. I mean, the stuff was mind-boggling. And uh, to what to what end? Like, you got to wonder what the point of it is. So, why would you stop average Joe going and catching a fish because they're worried about their feelings? Is this where we're going? Because because yeah yeah because because they believe the fish has the same rights and feelings as you and me. Mm. That there's no hierarchy. Yeah. That uh, these a rat is a cat is a dog. It's all the same as a boy. That's that's their that, that's their crazy stuff. You know, the uh, Judeo-Christian ethic doesn't exist anymore. You know, uh, it's the general breakdown in society that um, is going on, and uh, and it, and it's in these elites. I mean, the, the Liberal Party in New South Wales has a very strong animal rights bent, animal rights branch, even. You know. Uh, that's what was driving it. And they were hoping to get it through before the 2019 election, but they didn't reckon on the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party stirring up through social media a dirty great big campaign. We had a march down Macquarie Street with oh, probably 25,000 fishos, that's all, but it was enough to scare the shit out of Gladys Berejiklian, and they just walked away from it. Because, again, they did it in August, September not 2018, quite literally one month before the campaign started for the 2019 election. So mm. they were hoping to slip it through. They were actually thinking they were going to lose that election. I thought that's why they thought they'd get it done. But um, it, it, yeah, it's 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 just crazy stuff. I mean, you know, you can never take anything for granted. That's what it gets down to. And you, if we hadn't been there, that would have already been done. Finish. So so. You know, not not understanding the process, and a lot of people don't. They had a run at it. You put a stop to it. Fantastic. Thank you. We appreciate it. Um, why don't they just have another go? Is is there a period of time that they're not allowed? Is there, you know, what what's the what's stopping them just relaunching and having another crack? No, no. Oh no, 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 no. It's just it's well for a start, they're not there anymore. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They, two thousand and nineteen, we took two thousand and nineteen, we took basically off the back of the Greyhound ban, we took three seats off them. Mm. And off the back of that, we campaigned very hard. I mean, that's what the campaign school taught us, how to campaign. They're not in so the So we tent. did that very well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But um, nothing stopped... The answer to your question is nothing stopping them bringing it back again. Nothing at all. There's no, they're not as stopped from doing that in any way, shape or form. So if the current government wanted to do it, um, they'd have the numbers to do it in the upper house. And they'd have the numbers in the lower house to do it. But the, I don't believe they're predisposed to do that because they realise that there's five, five, between 500 and a million fishos in New South Wales. Um, there's a, some very strong uh, pro-fishing right-wing voices on, on, the, on the radio, which they don't want to cross. And then there's a little party like us who's prepared to get out on the, on the uh, hustings and actually campaign and get yeah. out there and scream and yell and, you know, throw things at Parliament House from uh, from Macquarie Street. Yeah, and I think this was a question we, we posed to Mark when we spoke to him as well. But, um, you know, this isn't something that that the public goes and votes on. This is something they're trying to push through that gets decided. I, I don't know, I don't necessarily understand the whole process of it, but um, the average, you know, the million fishos don't get to vote on that decision, do they? It's, it's um, they just no. they just get to tell... No. The government that if you do this, look out. That's you know, it's basically how that works. Well, I, I, well, 
our job is to frighten them, frighten yeah. the government into thinking that they'll vote against them. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and that's and that's what our job is, and that's what we did. That's what we do, and it's the same with. I talked a bit earlier about the MOU with the SSAA. Um, basically, what that's saying in a very nice way, because the SSAA goes with me and knocks on the premier's door, and how are you going, Chris? And blah blah. blah. I go and knock on the treasurer's door. Oh, Daniel, uh, Daniel Mookie, he's he's the treasurer. Um, look, we need some money for a new range. Uh, we we need. Uh, I'll give you another example. Um, in our falling out with the last government, um, they we have a thing called the Macos program, which is basically a um, a, a shooting grants program that was set up by John Tingle going way back when he first came into Parliament with Bob Carr, the then Premier. And basically, there was six hundred thousand dollars a year that was allocated to uh, shooting and hunting clubs that wanted to or needed some money, and it was at, it was doled out that they would pay up to fifty percent of any project. So, and mostly the money went to range and range compliance. It's a it's a shooting safety program. Anyway, in uh, in O'Farrell's and then the then the last police minister's hatred of me and our party, they withdrew it because I I wasn't a good boy. I wasn't doing what they were telling me to do. Well, that's the la the last thing you do is try to tell me what to do. You you asshole. Um, I don't really care. Um, you know, you're not doing anything good for us by paying us money that you owe us anyway, because you keep changing the rules on the ranges all the time uh, to make life difficult. Um, anyway, the long and the short of it is, this current government is preparing to give it back to us, and they're going to give us eight hundred thousand a year. Well, um, so uh, they're preparing. They're, they're coming. Hopefully, they're coming down that track again. You never count your chickens before they hatch. You know, you sure. have to have the money in the bank before you can say it actually happened. But uh, you know, they're making the right noises um, and we'll just keep talking and tap dancing and see what happens until it until it does happen. But so that mm. gives you an example of, of the sort of things that you can uh, get and you, or you can get back. Um, there's a the previous Labor government uh, from 95 till 2011 had uh, with John and then Robert Brown and to a lesser degree myself built a huge range down on the Southern Highlands called Hilltop. And they must have spent thirty or forty million dollars, excised a big chunk of national park, did all sorts of things, and uh, the the shooters down there was a, it's a big responsibility to run a large range like that. And anyway, the long and the short of it was that uh, the Hilltop Range Committee decided they couldn't run it anymore, so they handed it over to uh, the Department of Sport and Recreation, who uh, have made an absolute balls up of the whole thing in the last five or six years. And one of the one of the things I put to the current government is I said, well, you you've got this big investment. Um, shooters are not getting a benefit out of it. You should hand it over, or not give it, but you know, put it out the tender, whatever you like. But you know, there, there's plenty of ranges on crown land all over the state. You should hand this one back to someone who knows how to manage it. And uh, so I believe that's going to go up to tender, and double uh, double and maybe one other club, other organisations can put their hand up and say, look, we'll take it over because it's probably lost, losing the government about a million bucks a year. Mm. Uh, but if we, were to if we were to run it, as shooters, we could run it properly, you know, do it with volunteers. You'd, you'd have, you'd, you, you wouldn't have enough space on the range to, to get out there and shoot, you know. And then there's new ranges we need in New South Wales as well. These, um, there's one of our oldest ranges out here, Sil Silverdale. That's probably in the next 10 to 15, 20 years coming to end of its useful life. That's got to be replaced and so on and so on and so on. So 
there's a lot of grassroots stuff that can be done just talking to government. And if you talk quietly and nicely to them and you work with them a bit, maybe we'll get something. Um, if they want to kick us, well, they know that we've got big, I've got big size 12 shoes. I can kick them back in, in our own little way. And uh, they've seen what's happened in 12 years of, of coalition government um, where we did our part to get rid of them because they were not friends of the shooter. If they were friends of ours, then you know, life would be different, but it's not, you know. Uh, you know, the, 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 we talked a bit earlier about the Game Council. Um, you know, that was really a life's work for someone like Robert Brown. Mm. Um, you know, I put 15 years of my life into that. And uh, that bum of a premier, because uh, he decided he didn't like what we were doing anymore, uh, just, just gave an order uh, to abolish it. And uh, within three weeks, it was gone. You know, mm. and uh, you know that, um, that that's not acceptable to me. You know, not acceptable at all. And if I'm, if you're in Parliament, well then, it's behoved on me to try to do what I can to get it back and to uh, and to put things back in the right way. I think there's an important part of that though. When you said like you know it's you're saying it's your job as you're talking about yourself and your party to do these things. I think there's also you know the, the other side of it is. is there's a job of the individual shooter or fisher, and I and I know that you know traditionally these aren't political issues. But I, I myself have, and made a decision some time ago, and I and I, and I it's something that I'm, I'm quite happy to share with people. But I think you have to vote for what you want, so you have to look at your party that you know the party's on offer, the candidates on offer, and actually say to yourself. Is this where I want to spend my vote? Is this person going to look after mm. what I think is ultimately important to me? And people might say, well, you know, maybe shooting and fishing is not that important to them. But I know for me, it's you know, it is re re remarkably important. Like you know, and in fact, it becomes more and more important as I get older because, and again, like yourself, that idea of when I first used to do this, you know, it was just me and just I didn't even have a dog. In fact, it wasn't me and the dog; it was just me. And it was just something I did. But that idea of tradition and, you know, and culture, I think, become really important as you as you get into this, and especially when you start to have a family because you want to see your kids mm. have the opportunity. If and They don't have to follow you, but you want to see them have the opportunity. So it becomes beholden on you to actually say, okay, I've got to, I've got to think about this more than just, oh, you know, every once every four years I've got to go get the sausage chisel down at the local school and... Put put a you know tick or a number against the box. You've got to think about what that actually means. And I think and look and I and I appreciate some of the stuff you said because that's you know that's further that idea of thinking about who you're voting for, mm. thinking about where your vote goes, and educating yourself before you get there. Yeah, look, I think um, uh, and a lot of these things and ideas have evolved in my mind. Uh, you know, in the last dozen years or 13 years I've been in there now and if you said to me where's the time gone well I, I don't really know um, but uh, we have achieved an awful lot for a very small party um, that's really been put upon by everybody and we've been in that <clears throat> we've been in New South Wales for nearly 30 years um, and hopefully we'll be there for another 30 years long after I'm gone um, mm. uh, otherwise I, I really feel that we are going to lose everything um, simply because of the urbanisation of society, um, 
they they do the things they do because they can. Uh, you know, you, veganism, climate change, every excuse you can think of under the sun, they will use against you. Um, you know, we've seen uh, we've seen the uh, the transformation of the forests in New South Wales, uh, international parks. You know, um, uh, when 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 Bob Carr was elected in 1995, the state forests were three times the size of of um, four times the size of the national parks estate. By the time he finished, in t uh, or time, time sorry, Labor finished in 2011, uh, it was the other way around. And uh, so we've seen the degradation and destruction of the timber industry, and that continues today in New South Wales. Uh, it's, it's worse in Victoria, where they've just said they've sh they're shutting the timber industry down entirely, mm. um, uh, and it just goes on and on. And 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 the animals that, uh, for example, I like to hunt, and you guys like to hunt, are all considered pests in Australia, um, whereas. We we revere them for what they are, whether it's uh, their game animals, um, and that's the way we classified them in the game council. Uh, we put seasons on them and all that sort of stuff, and and the, and uh, the farmers in New South Wales just hate what we did, uh, and they they blame us for the the increase in deer numbers in New South Wales. I wish I could take the credit for that, but I can't. Um, I'd love to be able to say, yeah, I'm responsible for the humongous number of samba in New South Wales, uh, the, the huge number of fallow deer all over the place, uh, you know, the appearance of, of samba in the north coast and, uh, and the rooster deer and, you know, it just goes on and on and on. But we're not responsible for that. Um, the reality is that um, these creatures are, or these animals, I should say, they're not, not creatures, these animals are uh, proliferating because the politics of management of these animals in Australia is totally unsuited to these large animals uh, at all. Um, you've only got to look at the debate, and I, I mean, I don't need to go into that with you now if you don't want me to. But um, I'm on the I'm a deputy chair of the Animal Welfare Committee, and we're just about to start an inquiry into culling brumbies in Kostushko National Park. Um, and uh, you know, every hunter worth his salt is a conservationist at heart. But that's an argument that people in in Australia <coughs> just don't get. You know, yeah. um, we coined, <laughs> excuse me, I coined the phrase conservation hunter when we set the game council up, and I had media ringing up and saying, "Well, you kill things. How can you be a conservationist?" And I said, "Well, you don't actually understand mm -hmm. that. Go go to the dictionary and look up conservation, and understand that in our environment, uh, you know, us taking out the animals that you think are feral pests." actually is a large part of the conservation programs that you should be running instead of the lock it up and leave it processes that happen certainly in national parks in New South Wales and in state forests up until the time we got some access. Um, but they, 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 I, they're starting to get it now, but I've still got a long way to go and they will never control uh, the numbers of wild animals, uh, the animals that we love to hunt and eat, um, doing what they do in Australia because... Um, they can't, because they're becoming so urbanised, they can't bring themselves to even think about or contemplate killing an animal even. And that's why you Robert, get the animal rights nonsense coming up. And that's why you've got, plan. you know, what do you mean? chooks with the right to vote and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Sorry? I said, but Robert, they've got a deer action plan. What do you mean? They, they've, they've got it all sus. Mm -hmm. They know what they're going to do. The National Deer Plan. That's about the third or fourth. fourth. In colour. 
ridiculous. <laughs> hey, while, I, while I'm talking, I keep wanting to take you back and then forward and, and ask you questions about stuff you're talking about, and I'm not quite sure what order to do it now. Um, I'm going to go back to your comments about um, the MOU you had with SSAA, and it's not about that one specifically, but um, it, it makes me think about a topic we talk about a lot, and that is you know, having a united voice in Australia for shooters, hunters, you know, everyone in our, in our, in our, you know, that loves what we do. It's great. You've got an MOU with the SSAA. How much bigger could that be if that united voice was a thing? And why on earth can't we make that happen? Or, or is it just like you double the number, you double the power, you double the, you know, the, the people that sit up and pay attention to what well, you're saying. It, Mind blowing. I, th I think, I think there's a very large level of, um, and it gets back to what you guys were talking about before, and that is that most shooters and hunters, I suppose, and fishers are another good example, don't really understand um, what their problem is, uh, what mm. the problem is, um, and that those that get involved think that they need to control uh, everything. Um, um, by its very nature, the MOU simply says, we agree to talk to one another and work mm, together yeah. when our interests are aligned. Yeah. Um, now, if you could have that amongst, uh, along the lines of what you're suggesting, then you'd have a fantastic arrangement. But every time, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, we, we had people at the last election, uh, two or three dissatisfied shooters, fishers and farmers people go along to One Nation and uh, knock on their door and then, take our policies and write them as one nation policies. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a democracy. They can do what they like. But in the end of the day, um, they, were, they, were, they thought that they could get a position um, in one nation that would give them the ability to advocate for shooters and hunters when in reality they didn't really understand that there's no point in trying to chop down the only tree that's got the name shooter in it uh, by letting uh, one nation grab our grab some of our votes by going after the same constituency. Mm. So it, it, it got down to, you'll never ever have one voice representing all shooters, but maybe if you can have a number of voices that are at least mature enough to be able to talk to one another and understand where we're going, uh, that may be all we can achieve. But I can tell you, that's, that's what happens with all the green groups. They, they, they have many, many little dung heaps and they all stand on them and they talk to one another because they all have a general direction. Right. <laughs> Excuse me, that they're going in. And yeah, I, I think uh, that's a really good point that people don't, you know. And, and I and I think your 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 example of the Greens is really valid because a lot of people yeah. think that if you're a Green, there's one kind of track here. But if no. you if you know any kind about political, you know anything about politics in Australia. There's never really one track. There might be one kind of general direction, you know, compass bearing, but there's never one track. And I and I and I think that's what you know the the idea of a united voice, you know, is a is a nice idea. But I think what's more realistic and possibly far more powerful is like this idea of the agreement to agree and disagree when mm. when appropriate you know but you all kind of we're all heading in that direction wherever that direction is we're heading in that way and uh, and i think mm. i think that's you know that's probably a more but more realistic and ultimately more powerful because united voice kind of means one voice and i think 
you know, I think we, yeah, that's it's, right. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's right. There's actually a famous quote I'm trying to remember, and it was about, um, it was, uh, it was a quote by, um, Kubla Khan about when he invite and was going to invade Japan, and he, and they were talking about, they said, because Japan at the time was a shogunate and was all separated, and he said, we'll just, you know, we'll push them over because they're all fighting amongst themselves, and supposedly said, yeah, until we turn up, and then they'll all, mm. Then they'll all kind of go, yeah, that's the that's the one focus. And all that idea of you can be separate, you can be interested in ducks, you can be interested in deer, you can be interested in four-wheel drive, you can be in foster king. But when someone says you can't have access, you kind of go, well, actually, no, we're all interested in the fact that you said we can't have access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what we're interested in. You've said, yeah. And I yeah. think that's, you know, I kind of think that's the way we if we can, I'm not sure how to do it. It's an easy, a lot easier to say than do, but I think that's that's what's going to happen. We've got to kind of go, yep, yeah, you've got your own thing. That's what you do. Um, I'm not particularly interested in it, um, but I accept that that's what you do. However, when someone says you can't do it, that's when I become interested in. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I think I think you need to, um, uh, like, I, I you should never, ever give up someone else's, sport or culture to try and save your own mm, so yeah, 100%. Uh, i mean I, I i i've you know i i, I shoot ducks I, I shoot birds i catch fish i shoot big game i shoot small game uh i got i've got three four-wheel drives uh, i've got two gun three gun dogs you know all these things um i'm lucky because i've been able to afford to do it and i've been lucky that i i've got a broad range of interest as well um but you know, if something pops up like uh, we talked about before with the fishing campaign, um, you know, I've, I've got a boat. Uh, you know, I've got a five and three quarter, in, you know, uh, aluminium brooker. Um, I ha- I happen to be one of the people that used to own brooker boats, but that's beside the point. Um, I hardly ever get on it. But uh, if someone says you, you know, you're not allowed to go fishing, I'm going to put a marine park up there. Well, your your enemy's my enemy. Uh, mm. Not just because of politics, but because I know that once they do you over, they're going to come after mm. me. Yeah. Uh, and you know, who's going to be left? Way? You know, and then then tomorrow, like uh, yesterday, it could have been it was the uh, the animal rights people were going to cut a, had cut a deal. Um, I had to actually go and knock on the door of the New South Wales farmers and say, "Did you know about this?" They said, "Yeah." I said, "Why aren't you campaigning against it?" Oh well, they didn't consult with us. I said, "So you're going to let it go through?" I mean, they, you know. Hello, you know, it's uh, you know, so we we actually ran the campaign to stop this thing, and and we did. Mm. Um, New South Wales farmers were bloody useless, bloody useless, you know. I, 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 that's all I can say, um, uh, because they, you know, I they don't like deer because they're a pest. Well, okay, shoot them on your property, but what if someone else wants to have them on their property because they like the look of them or they like to eat them? You know, don't don't be so myopic. Yeah. Because today, tomorrow they're going to come after you, and that's what they did. That's what they did. Uh, the animal the animal rights people. Uh, well, I've cut to the chase there. I mean, they actually, they actually used to have two in Parliament. And now they've only got one. They actually missed out at the last election, so that was a small blessing for us. <laughs> but then again, we got the uh, we got the marijuana legalized marijuana mob come in, so. I, I did. I saw a post recently. You, you put up getting back to that idea about you know um, national parks versus state forests, and about the fact that they 
discovered a or rediscovered quite a rare, you know, macropod. I think it was a, a pot, oh, well, a pot oh, yeah. of or something that. like that. Yeah, yeah, long-footed pot of mm. Now that that is that's that's only because Brian came back to work for me, and I almost <laughs> gave him a kiss when he found that one. It, it's actually a it, it, uh, it's actually a CSIRO paper uh, on a program that they were running in the Bondi State Forest, mm. which we've been conservation hunting since 2006. And um, the long-footed potteroo has never been seen there before. Most of the forest is pine forest. There's a bit of bit of hardwood there, but mostly it's a pine forest. I'd hate to think how many deer, how many foxes, how many... And I've seen Samba in there, Fallow in there. They've all been shot out of there. Uh, foxes have been shot, red deer have been shot out of there, everything. And then out of the blue comes the long-footed potteroo. So what we've done is we've said, well, okay, well, that's thanks to the to the programs of hunting we've been running in that in that forest. Um, you know, I've been shooting bloody feral cats, you name it, everything gets shot in there. That, that's on the game list, except horses. And um, so what we did was we... We we had a close look at the uh, all the you know all the stuff, um, and uh, yeah, we took credit for putting the program in place in 2006, uh, and the continued management of the process. Even though we the game council itself disappeared, that program in in Bondi and and another 1.3 million hectares of forest is still running, mm-hmm. and there's still there's something like 12 or 15,000 conservation hunters with our licenses running around the state doing all of this stuff um so we said well thank you, you can thank us for that and we got i got up in i got up moved a motion to that effect and i was unanimously supported by both the government and the opposition so you talk about a change and a backflip mm. there it is um so it even to the point where uh I'm in the process now, and I've, I've actually had it at the back of my mind for a long time, but I'm now, I suppose, getting to the stage in my life where I, I can maybe get it done, and that is I'm going to set up a, um, I've got a couple of solicitors working for me, I'm going to set up a conservation hunting foundation. And, uh, mm. and yeah, just work it so that we can do the studies, do the advocacy, raise the money, and... Uh, get out there and, and uh, campaign for, not just in the political space, because I think we do that pretty well, but in the space where the Greens and the, all, the, all the preservationists are. Because there's no one out there actually talking up our side from a conservation point of view. Yeah. And there, there is the best example of, you know, a conservation result almost by accident that popped up in our soup. And it can only be really, you know, by association, of course, because they can never prove one way or the other. Certainly national parks can't take the, take the, um, <laughs> they can't take the credit for it. So, but we can, and we did. And there was another interesting thing in regards to CSIRO was they've just released a report about the the effect of deer on habitat, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. And and it's and it's and it's remarkably un the, it's it's remarkably yeah, un, the, you know their effect on habitat is remarkably little supposedly. Well, yeah, well, it's it, that that paper was more or less dealing with um or more so than anything dealing with the likelihood of spreading disease. Mm, that's right. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, mm. and it really basically said, 
And again, this is all thanks to Brian and his background and expertise, because I'm, I'm just a, a humble ex-accountant, you know. But uh, ask me, ask me where the money is and do a tax return. I can do that, but not, don't ask me to do, read a scientific paper. May have um, figured out how to how to. Yeah, how that, to, uh... that, that also was very interesting because. Sorry, I thought you may have, may have figured out how to um, uh, write uh, hunting trips off to tax, Robert. Maybe judging on the number. Of... It's in the office. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a politician representing the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party, I do well, actually get a couple of yeah, tax deductions, yeah. yeah. But uh, not so much for hunts. But uh, but um, there was there was another angle I was going to I was going to uh, raise in relation to that there, stuff. But, but um, it'll it'll come back to me in a second. But um, but yeah, that 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 whole process um, of what's there. And what we're finding, oh, that's right. It was, it was in in relation to that. I moved the motion in in relation to that as well, and I got up and talked to it. And uh, we're constantly told that you know foot and mouth and that sort of stuff's a mm. danger in Australia, and that deer are going to be vectors for it. Well, you know, the trouble with that paper that you know for the for the, the people that want to push this stuff forward all the time is that um, when when you read it, or, and certainly Brian's background. Um, when they had these huge outbreaks of foot and mouth in in England, uh, you know, last decade or two, um, they didn't run around shooting the deer. They ran around shooting the the cattle, mm-hmm. shooting the pigs, and shooting the sheep. Um, and I think he he told me that uh, talking to one of the these fellows, they only actually killed two deer in that whole program, uh, and that was that that was because these deer were seen to be at one stage feeding out of a trough where infected sheep had been or cattle had been habit, you know, habitually using. Uh, but when they tested them, they, they weren't positive. So this nonsense about, oh, well, if we have foot and mouth get loose in Australia, um, we're, it's the end of the world because we've got all these deer. Um, no, it, it might be the end of the world because of all the pigs. We know pigs carry it. But there's no proof anywhere in the world that deer carry foot and mouth or are mm. vectors of it. Uh, same with the, the the diseases that Brian that were in that in that paper mm. as well. But there was one problem. I don't know, I don't know whether you. I, I certainly was in my motion, and, and it, I think it was in that paper as well. There was an example in 2003 where a grey kangaroo in the in the zoo in Japan died of foot and mouth. Well, so if you want to. The suggestion there being that if you want to have a real problem with foot and mouth, uh, it's more likely to vector through the kangaroos than it is through the bloody deer. Well, which is kind of the same problem they had in, in the UK where the diseases were vector, vectoring through the um, badgers rather than the introduced uh, exactly species. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. So it's actually, they, yeah, it was actually they, going through around. the native fauna rather than yes. the introduced fauna. Yes, and they, they went around and culled the, the hell out of the badgers to mm. get rid of them. Yeah, because they were the ones that were found carrying bits of um, pig or, or or from one paddock to the next paddock yeah. to the next paddock to the next paddock as they hauled the meat around. Mm. So um, anyway, look, I, I mean, this the the thing about the kangaroos and the infection there. Um, I can tell you, a few people didn't like to hear it, and the Greens got up and said that you know we had misrepresented the paper and everything, but no, we hadn't. Um, and, th- and these papers were only re- very recently published uh, yeah. in 2022, in December. But, you know, so I think there is there is a very large opportunity, not so much from a political point of view, but from a research point of view, to be able to uh, 
if I can get the money, if we can get a, 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 a the right sort of you know charity status put in place, and get some, talk some people into throwing some money into something like this, we can uh, partner with a university, uh, Griffith or someone like that, and start start some research programs, do some advocacy for real conservation, not just um, not just the protectionism that we endure in Australia. Um, mm. Uh, which is somehow rather the word conservation means protection. That's not that's not the case, as you all know. Mm. So um, maybe we can get something done. But uh, yeah, and and as I say, none of that would have really featured in my abilities because uh, un until Brian started uh, working more closely with me in Parliament House and uh, oh, pottery down old pottery boil. That's it. <laughs> yeah, long-footed pottery. There he is. <laughs> Oh, we'll be able to work the way, something the in. The way he hobbles around at the moment, he's going to need an, a. a, a That's what we're going to do. Macropod. Long foot. Macro. The boily shuffle. The boily oh, yeah, shuffle. The, the, the boily shuffle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to enjoy karate, this. Too much. He's a fifth stand black belt, mate. Too much of that. Yeah. He's yeah. hey, um, a bit old for that now. Switching subject slightly. Um, another question that I had back when we were talking about Game Council. And how it got basically canned overnight. Now it's back in a new form. Um, how fragile is it? We love it. We absolutely love it. In Queensland, we've got nothing else. Well, to, we it's... can't. We, we we're down there all the time. Um, mm. You know, it seems like it's an incident away from being in trouble. Not that there's ever been one. There's talk of that sort of stuff. How fragile is it? Well, the. The, the the program uh, is still operating within DPI, okay. Mm. So it's not fragile in the sense that um, when Brian and I were running it, after we've been running it for a few years, um, one of the things that we strategically decided to do was to start doing uh, econometric modelling on the value of hunting uh, and public land hunting uh, in New South Wales and. Uh, the statistics now are very easy to find, and they've just finished the 2023 evaluation mm. uh, or measurements. And although the, the minister hasn't released them yet, she told me she's got them, but uh, I haven't seen them yet. But uh, if you take hunting and fishing together, um, they're the fourth largest industry in New South Wales. Yeah, that's enormous. We we, um, we 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 use your report all the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. Uh, and we and Brian and I started that. Started that I think in the first year when we did it, oh, it's worth you know something like eighty million dollars, mm. something like that. And we thought that's fantastic. And, and again, I'm just pulling numbers out of the air at the moment, but I think the last time it was done was probably 2019, and it was worth about 1.2 billion. Yeah, uh, and employs about I don't know how many thousands of people. At um, the time, it was uh, combined. It was just behind cattle, and I think hunting by itself was number four on the list. Yeah, that may be, yeah. may be what yeah. it was. Yeah, and I think if you if you combine maybe if you combine hunting and fishing together, it might be number two. On yeah, the it, list. Was. it was. It was. Yeah. It was cattle, then then the fishing, which was charter and recreational and hunting. Yeah. But if you yeah. remove the fishing component, it went. It was number four, which I mean, it was like cattle, maybe sheep, agri, something like horticulture. Yeah. Then that was yeah. it. So it was still so, incredibly significant, and I think yeah. also when you consider the where that spend happens, that's also a really powerful thing I as think, well. To answer your question, Ian, I think 
it's not fragile when you can throw those sort of numbers around. Yeah, that's um, that's not to say it's impervious to attack, but no. um, uh, but but the next the next stage is, and we haven't got there yet, is as I say, if I can uh, talk the government into supporting my uh, right to hunt bill, then we'll reenact the uh, a separate game authority and have it self-governing. Because one of the things we did with it was wasn't only compliance; it was also promotion. Mm. And we used to actually get out to the shows. We used to get out all over the state and actually promote the culture of hunting. That's what we used to do. And we used to talk about, you know, I mean, I, I was brought up being a trophy hunter, you know, and I, you know, I used to take a little bit of meat, but I, you know, I was all about the heads and all sorts of things. But in the last 25 or 30 years, I'm, I'm about everything, you know, every utilization of every part of the animal because I've matured and changed as well over time. And, uh, uh, and, that's what the game council was doing you know we're pushing out uh advocacy wherever we could possibly go i i i tell you i turned up in a uh, would have been in about 2011 i think it was uh or 2010 towards the end of the last government and of the government before that and uh, i was at a, a new south wales local government conference out at uh, rose hill and the um the ceo and the mayor of the uh, town of town of Tumbarumba down south actually sidled up to me and said, "Oh, they said their names and they said, uh, and they said, oh, we know who you are. You're the chairman of the game council." And I said, "Yeah, for my sins, I am. Yeah." Anyway, um, they said, "Look, what can you do to get us more hunters in our in our uh, in our area? You know, we want more go. hunters coming through town." Uh, yeah, uh, and I nearly, I, I, I took, oh, goodness me, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I, it sort of took me aback. Um, but that, that's, that's the sort of attitude that uh, now, having been at it for so long, uh, there's no one that hasn't heard one way or the other, and not everyone's going to like you. I mean, that's that's the case, but I was very surprised and very impressed by the fact that they had um, really did appreciate the contribution of people. Uh, who want to hunt uh, and fish to a lesser degree, but certainly hunt because it was so new at that time. You know, it was only about mm. five or six years old. Um, and they and, and I've I had myself at that time hunted. There were a lot of we had a lot of the state forests around Tumbarumba declared, and they they were well aware of the of the hunters coming through town, uh, buying food, buying fuel, staying in uh, B and Bs, all those all those things. You know, um, they really did appreciate it, and uh, in fact. Uh, it's an aside, but um, when the Baird government uh, forcibly merged Tumbarumba and Tumut together, uh, the Tumbarumba protesters actually wore blaze orange. That was their colour. <laughs> in uh, in recognition of uh, of what the shooters walking around town in blaze orange were wearing. That's, uh, and that's another silly thing. Wherever you go, make sure you're wearing your camera. They have to recognise who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I I experienced that firsthand back in 2018. We went on a 10-day road trip hunt in New South Wales and uh, we pulled into uh, Narrabri and at the time you still had to get you had to get the printed maps. So we were able to cancel um, or we were able to close out our harvest return for the forest we'd been hunting and get new access for Pilliga, but we didn't have any maps, so we had to find a printer. 
<laughs> and um, I think we'd been on the road for about six or seven. No, and actually less than that, probably four or five days, because we spent a, a goodly chunk in. Uh, we spent a good time in um, the Pilliga. We were going to meet another group of hunters there, and we're in. We were just literally looking on our phones trying to find a printer in Narrabri, and we found a printer. And what we didn't realise it was the newspaper. <laughs> so we went to the, the Narrabri newspaper and said, "Hey, we we need to get this stuff printed." And we had a, we had them on a memory stick, and they went, "Okay." And they said, "What are you doing?" We said, "We're printing maps for the Pilliga State Forest so we can go hunting." And they go, "What are you, what are you doing?" And, and Tim was there, and the woman said. Tim was talking, I was outside or something like that. I don't know what I'd do. But he said, hey, come in here. And she'd run off. And she said, the editor wants to see you. So we went up and we sat up and we, we sat down with the newspaper editor and he t- we told him what we're doing. And he said, I need you to do something for me. And go, well, we said, mate, we're just here to get some food so we can go hunting. He said, no, you got to hang around. So he called the local um, tourist bureau down there on the river. And then we had this impromptu photo shoot down at the tourist bureau where we were <laughs> and but it was bad because we were like been in the scrub for a few of us we, <laughs> we did not we did not present a very pretty picture of uh, you know what it was all about but yeah they just said come on down we, we need to tell people what you're doing so yeah, there was that yeah, even yeah. you know that was in 2018 and there was a real appetite to actually say hey people coming to our town is good mm. yeah yeah that, that that whole program, that whole scheme that we set up has just changed the exposure, changed the very nature of hunting and, and access, uh, and, and the whole message has changed now, mm-hmm. I think, and uh, and that's good. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that I take credit for it or anyone. It's just a matter of making sure that we... We do it. We do it again uh, as a self-governing organisation because it gives us more structure. That's yep. why we went for a uh, a game council, if you like, because it, we were self-governing and we could do what we wanted. And uh, part of what we wanted to do was not just set the program up, but we wanted to get out there and promote it. At one stage, we had nearly uh, twenty-two thousand licences on issue, and that was pretty damn good. And you know, I had a, a monthly reporting structure and we used to get the financials and memberships and oh you know you name it um, we pushed and we got the ducks taken off national parks that was another thing we did um even though ducks effectively are ma- managed as a uh, a pest in new south wales mm-hmm. on crops uh the reality is that um duck shooting now is better than it's ever been uh, uh because there's no seasons uh, at all and uh, in fact we just our our hunting club usually once a year in december goes down and shoots on the rice uh, down in the Riverina. Mm. Although we haven't been for the last few years, because last time we went, we had we did two years in a row, which was just too damn wet, mm. and the ducks just weren't t- weren't turning up. They 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 had they could go anywhere and eat anything, so they just they weren't particularly interested in the places where we were. We put our decoys out because that was another thing. Uh, you know, when national parks were running it, you weren't allowed to use decoys. You know, it was our job to go out there and shoot shoot at duck, flying ducks, flying, you know, God knows where, to scare them away. You know, well, we guess what? We introduced a hunting culture for ducks, even though, technically speaking, we were still doing a program of, of um, uh, pest mitigation. Reality is, you know, I shot a lot of bloody ducks, a lot more under this program than I've ever shot before in my life, yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's interesting my, you say my that. My old GSP, he's 15, nearly 16 years old. Yeah. You, you say that you, you started you Sorry? started with the ducks um, under the un, under pest management that turned into a hunting culture. It seems that New South Wales the the um, New South Wales hunting in state forest has turned that 
corner as well. It, you know, it used to be, uh, and I'm not saying that it's officially changed, but it certainly used to be about you know, pest management, and now it's about hunters and hunting. It's 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 there's a there's a, a subtle change. There, Absolutely isn't it, right. Absolutely yeah. right. And yeah, and I think that even more um, pleasing about that is that that probably that change has been you know has has been driven and also been experienced by the people who've been hunting in state forests for a number of years. And so now that's, if you will, that's the kind of the thought process. So new people come into it at that level of thought process. They, mm. they come in at, at a point where it's more about hunting than just per So, you know, the, the actual, the, the, the gravity is actually more towards, more towards hunting as a, as a cultural pursuit and as a, you know, as a pursuit of, personal achievement and all those kind of positive things rather than stack them and whack them because they're pests. And, uh, you know, so I think, the, and like, you know, one of the things, one of the great things about what we do, Rob, is because we talk so, to so many new people, they kind of start at that point. They kind of say, oh, I'm interested in taking an animal for meat. I want to know how to process it. I'd love to know how to, you know, make sausages and, and take an animal and things like that. So they're starting it with that kind of enthusiasm for something that you might be more akin to hunting rather than I just want to go there and there and, you know, flatten as many things as I can. Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, part of what all of that's about is, uh, you know, we, we taught, we used to have, you know, butchering days and mm. sausage making days and we we still do that in our hunting club now we have a once a year we have a sausage making day i mean me and one of my sons we're always grinding meat and making sausages you know we've i'm just talking to one of the uh, executive guys uh, today um we've got our christmas party and agm coming up at the end of november and uh, We'll do it here at my house, I suppose, around the pool and no. do the AGM. And... Not on the pool, uh, Which, which <laughs> no, club no, is this, Rob? It won't be in here. Which club, do I, what club are we joining uh, to come and have Borzak sausage? That's a bit weird. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're welcome. Join up, pay your money, come over. <laughs> Australian Hunters International, that's what That's the uh, what I changed the name to. Oh, okay. Um, that's the, dumps, the, the, the Safari, safari Club. Safari yeah. Club in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Australian I didn't notice. I Google that right now. <laughs> to mention to that or the Safari Club in your Wikipedia profile, we'll have to get that updated. There we go. Oh, is it? Yeah, I don't know who writes that. I, you know, it's all lies. That's <laughs> oh, a lion too. There we go. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's the snarling lion. That's, that's a, it. You know, that's that's a, that's our version of "Don't Tread on Us." <laughs> we, we, we bite back. Nice. Someone with a big red. There we Fair go. That's no, probably my son. I don't know. I don't know what's on there. Our, our, our website's not that great. <laughs> I'm just looking at it now. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been a pretty good journey up till now, and you know we can we I want to you know I've still got plenty in me, so uh, we just keep going, I suppose. But uh, I don't intend to do politics for the rest of my life either. But uh, but I, unless you're unless you're in the in the politics these days, you're not you're nothing. There's nothing can be taken for granted anymore, mm. and. Uh, You'll always see change for change's sake, and you know, for people that like to hunt, shoot, fish, four-wheel drive, um, you know, own dogs. Uh, doesn't matter what it is, there'll be some bum that wants to take it away from you, and and that's simply because they decide they don't like what you're doing. Yeah. You know, there's no tolerance anymore. You know, for anything. You know. 
I, we've just missed the sausage that was in August, mate. We've missed it. I was just looking oh. at that. I'm just looking at your 2023 club calendar. <laughs> oh, okay. We just missed <laughs> the sausages. were back on the 13th of August. Now the ducks are on between the first and the fifth of December. Oh, we can make that one. Yeah, in fact, in fact, we've got. Uh, we're a little bit flexible on that stuff, but uh, we're just in the process of checking out. One of our guys is ringing around at the moment, um, yeah. finding what's going on there to see. Um, who, who's got ducks and who hasn't. Um, yeah. There's been a bit more cotton going in down there. Um, you know, the last time we went was not last year, but the year before, I think it was. And I, I never even put a decoy out because the birds just didn't weren't, weren't moving. They just they were, they were on on adjacent waters, and uh, we can actually shoot adjacent waters now too. That's another thing we can do. Uh, but I, they were, they were, I saw an awful lot of ducks in a in a reserve, and I. I won't go in and shoot ducks in a reserve. I don't want to get caught. No, that's probably a <laughs> so, wise thing. But um, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Look, I mean, I yeah. It's just uh, the um, shooting and hunting has, has taken me all over the world, and we we've got a particular set of problems in Australia that um, probably in terms of the animals we like to hunt uh, and eat uh, that. I was alluding to earlier that are pretty unique, and we have to try and cut a cut a line somewhere that says, well, you know, we're not we're not unpaid pest managers. We're uh, we're cultural hunters. And um, I got up. I think I got up in one of those speeches that I talked about. Um, it's all right for the Aboriginals to talk about their culture. Uh, it's only sixty thousand years old. I mean, my culture. If I take my Polish heritage, goes back over five hundred thousand years. Yeah, uh, they found remains of uh, hominids in caves in Poland that used to hunt. Um, I reckon one of them must have been mine. You know, my my longborn <laughs> relative. So you know, just because I I happen to be an old white man doesn't mean that I don't have a heritage too, mm. uh, and or that it's any less valid to the uh, Aboriginal heritage that they keep touting and hiding behind. Uh, even if you have an Aboriginal heritage in New South Wales, doesn't mean that they'll give you the, any different privileges to hunt and shoot or fish uh, that you, uh, uh, yet they'll try and use you politically up as much as they can, you know, so. Um, there was actually yeah. something about that. I saw that they were actually um, questioning uh, the hunting of um, sea mammals, weren't they? Which sorry, which mammals? The sea mammals, so things like dolphins and dugon. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's right. Uh, you know, they they, uh, you know, it's all very convenient for the uh, the elites to be touting the advantages of what it's like to be an Aboriginal person and using that as a form of social transformation that will destroy uh, our economy. But um, if they actually want to go out and practice what they what they want to uh, eat dugongs. Uh, or eat turtles, or uh, eat, uh, you know, catch seals, all the things that they do. Um, oh, no, you're not allowed to do that. Oh, no, no, you're not allowed to do that. So, again, it's it's just the 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 transformation elites just using up uh, the Aboriginal people for their own purposes. That's what it gets down to, it, it, at least in that space, and I think in a lot of other political spaces as well. And that's uh, that's another reason why I think this uh, whole voice thing for them failed two weekends ago. You know, it's a uh, it it was bad, ill-conceived, and the, the politics was shoddy, very mm. very bad indeed. I don't know. You all, you you blacks all look like the sort of fellows that would have voted yes anyway. 
So uh, ease up. I can see that on you. <laughs> Thanks for coming, mate. I'm not getting a rise. It's a, I'm it's not a, getting a rise. It's Come a, on. It's a, bro- it's a, bro- it's a broad. It's a broad church, mate. It's a broad, broad church. But um, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, that's a completely different thing. But uh, there's all, all I'm trying to point out is that there's a parallel in in what in what happens there and in other parts of what we've been doing. And the whole thing is, yeah, it's been an interesting ride so far. And I think there's plenty more to do. Um, if I can get the, the game authority up again, if we can get the other programs up and running, um, if we certainly. At the moment, the um, government's talking about uh, setting up a big koala national park. Mm. They'll destroy more hardwood forests to protect the koalas. Um, uh, They're running this uh, bullshit argument that koalas are endangered, which they're not. Um, The koalas that suffered the most uh, in 2019 fires, I think it was, were basically those down the south coast. They were almost completely wiped out. uh, And those forests down there, those national parks down there used to be state forests that were managed once upon a time and uh, with no management um, fires just went through them and mm. burnt, all the, burnt all the koalas and everything else that was there uh, the state forests, especially the hardwood forests have been managed almost since white men arrived I don't think the Aboriginals actually managed the forests in the way that we did um, and they manage them for fire, they manage them for you know, for the timber, obviously, and also they've got very, very strict protocols around how they uh, uh, they harvest to make sure that uh, they don't harm populations of koalas and greater gliders and all the other stuff that are in the forests. But all these lies get told, political commitments are made, and next thing you know, more people lose their jobs in the bush simply because there's someone of the left of the green persuasion managed to get up and ask uh, and keep pushing and pushing and pushing it was it, it even happened yesterday in the, in in committee hearings with the um with the treasurer one of the greens was trying to uh, convince the treasurer that uh, because the hardwood division in forest new south wales loses money that somehow rather why not just get rid of all the forests they don't care about jobs they don't care about people they don't care about anything um, except themselves that's their agenda that's their agenda. It's a tough note. To... I don't think we can end on that note, mate. We have to end no, on something positive. We can't wind up. No, on we, that we can't end doesn't no, work. Really, we got to. Oh, something. We got to. The golf swing's got to be up, mate. We can't. No. We can't end on that one. Oh no! Well, I, I, I look. I'm very firmly of the belief that we're in the upswing. Um, Good. So tell us about the upswing. Right. Let's tell us about the upswing. I'll tell you. Tell you about the upswing. Okay. Yep. Well. Um, well, look, look, we are we are talking to the government about, as I said, uh, a new a new game authority, a fishing authority, which was also a a uh, election commitment um, that we want to take the um, the management of the the fishing funds and the fishing itself away from fisheries and actually have a separate authority to run it for the benefit of fishers uh, directly and have it managed. Uh, the same with the hunting again. That'd be a very that back that'd be a very powerful. Great, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Shame and, it can't and, be and national. They, they right? gave us a commitment during the campaign that they would do it. I wouldn't. Well, no. yeah, well. Oh, I look at you it's all growing. I, I, I agree need with to you. Teach a... some of your Queensland counterparts to, you know, to do the same work. And oh man, the 
Anyway, sorry for sharing on the upswing. Let's carry on the upswing. Mate, up, upswing, 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 upswing. <laughs> Focus on the upswing. Um. Well, yeah, I can. I can. Well, the upswing for us is that mate, we might get someone elected in WA again. That's yeah. up for us. Um. Uh, what else is there? Uh, I think I think you've given us a lot of upswing. I don't think we need you to get it to rehash it. Um, it was. It, I, I think. I think the perspective that you've put on this over the last couple of hours has been awesome. I mean, really um, made certainly mm. made me think about mm, things sure. in a different way. Um, the doom and gloom that comes in our direction as the individual punter. Um, look at every day seems like a battle that someone else is fighting on your behalf, and hopefully you lend your voice, your dollar, and and your help, but. Um, I, I think it sounds better than that to me now. I think, is... yeah, I, 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 th I think the upswing is that I think most shooters uh, and hunters, um, uh, especially the young ones coming through, they, they haven't experienced the the problems that uh, that I suppose I experienced um, going through it. And if you're a bit older than than you would still do, but they are they are very. Uh, culturally accepting of what's there now. Um, they're working uh, and hunting and fishing and doing all the things they do. Um, and as long as they realise that it's within a framework that um, we all got to be part of, um, and I think that's increasingly becoming more recognised, uh, then I think that's the upswing. The more and more people we can introduce, the more and more young people we can bring into it, um, and not just our direct relatives, but anybody that, that you know that even shows a slight interest in it, uh, mentor them, bring them along. Uh, you know, our, our club has got oh, probably 460 members. Um, the majority of them don't turn up to meetings, but that doesn't matter. Um, mm. They are there and they put their money where their mouth is and uh, we use the resources of the club to not just support the politics, but also uh, do all the activities that we think we need to do to keep the thing going. Um, it's, yeah, I, I can see... I can see plenty of opportunity into the future. Um, a large part of it is just being there and being there for the long run. I think that's really what it's all about. And if you're a flash in the pan, uh, in and out, gone and forgotten, or if you think you're going to run under the radar, it's not going to work anymore because technology will beat you. Mm. Um, you've got to be upfront, tell people who you are, explain why you're doing it, uh, and nine people out of ten will respect you for it. I think that's that's certainly what I've found in the last twenty odd years um, in doing what I've been doing anyway, um, and it and it, it is a bit of an argument uh, that gets a bit difficult sometimes because a lot of the media just don't want to accept what we're doing. You know, it's uh, you know if, if we've been politically successful, then they will ignore you. But mm. The big, the big difference this time round is, uh, or now certainly in the last ten or twelve years, has been the invention of social media. Um, uh, when John Tingle got elected, um, there was no such thing, and you could do. I remember we did sixty-four media releases in the nine in two thousand eleven campaign, and I think we had two published. Um, now it's, you know, the local media here in Sydney don't won't by and large don't touch us because we've been seen to be too politically effective. But we also release everything to the bush and, and you were talking about what you've seen on our Facebook pages and that sort of stuff tells us that uh, people are watching and we know they're watching. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so we've got we've got a voice now that we've we've never had before 
Um, and I think we've got to exploit that as best we can. And I'm certainly no expert at it, um, even though I've, I've, I've come I've come to computers and computer systems and all that sort of stuff as an adult, uh, mostly through business. But uh, the younger people really just live and breathe this stuff, and uh, we have to feed that as well and let them know that they're that they can actually go to the next stage of it, and then they can look at look at what's happening through the social media, but then actually go out and do it. So. You know, for example, there's a I think there's a group on Facebook called the State Forest Hunters or something like that. And every time I, t I I turn my feed on, there's some fellow up there with asking a question about what is this? What what is this piece of dung? What is this track? Um, you know, what is this animal? Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I just that that just makes me so happy to see that because uh, you know the, the medium is working and the availability is there. All they got to do is put the one-on-one -on -one together, and they get the two, and off they go. It's like you said, you're doing a road trip around New South Wales, going from one state forest to another. Um, I could tell you stories about how we put, how we strung that whole system together too, but maybe that's a story for another day. <laughs> Sounds like a good <laughs> return. Boyle yeah. can tell you because he'll, I brow him, I browbeat. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I browbeat him into doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's certainly <laughs> what we've found. We've. We've put this podcast together to help people find hunting, get hunting, understand the processes, whether you're from Queensland or New South Wales or anywhere else in the country. You know, people are asking where to go, how to go, what gear to use, the right processes, what to do, what not to do. Here's some videos, here's some how-to in it. You know, social media for all of its pitfalls is also a great way to connect people and, and, and get a groundswell of numbers. So it is. we're seeing it new is. hunters every day and we think it's fantastic off the back of the hard work you guys have, have done. You, so it's unreal. Have you guys seen have you guys seen any work any of the work that uh, Robbie Craig has done in Blood Origins? Yep. Um, mm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's he he was in Sydney a couple of months ago and came into Parliament House to see me and I had lunch with him and had a bit of a yarn and I did a podcast with him too last year sometime. Oh, good. But he's got a fantastic little program going. I mean, he lives, I think he's living in Mississippi now, but uh, um, he's doing an awful lot of good work uh, mm. telling the story and pushing it out there all, in all sorts, of, all sorts of parts of the world. So you blokes are doing fantastic work too. So keep it up, get it out there, and, uh, yeah, more power to you. That's what I say. Good on you. Now, that's a awesome. place to end. That's and keep hunting. That's it. Keep hunting. Keep hunting. Keep hunting and shooting. <laughs> That's it. Keep hunting. Stay fit. Stay fit. Keep hunting. Keep shooting. Keep spending money on four-wheel drives. <laughs> <laughs> buying new rifles. Yeah, buying new rifles. Stocking up on ammo. So before you finish, what's your what's your favourite calibers? What do you What do you oh, do? Goodness, oh, goodness, the whole where do you start? This? He says, "Where do you start?" Where do you start? Yeah. My favourite caliber is the one That's I've got right. in my hand. Oh, oh you farm. could do exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I what's... see. I see some thermal stuff up there behind uh, John. Yeah, yeah, got some thermal stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, oh, yeah. you got the Burris yet? Yeah, I've got the a Burris. couple of those. Um, yeah, I think XP we fifties um, and all that sort of stuff. Yep. We've got a couple of the new uh, BRX straight pull rifles from Beretta. Yep. Um, we've we've been lucky enough to use uh, oh, oh, okay. ones in three hundred eight, ones in thirty oh six. Mark's got the three hundred eight. So the straight pull's been quite an interesting uh, change. Good for Mark. He's a lefty. He can just swap the bolt over, and, well, not the bolt, but the bolt handle over, and away it goes. We've been using those with um, the Steiner 
predator rates, but also the aim points up in the territory. Oh yeah, so they've been great quick action uh, rifles on the buffalo. Um, but then we're, we're also lucky enough to be using some of the new tech, like the Eliminators, um, the Eliminator Five, so the, the you know the auto ranging technical scopes and and things like that. So we've got a good partnership with Beretta, and uh, they they lend us quite a bit of stuff to trial and use and and give feedback on and. And just promote, I guess, to show people what options that they can have in various different types of hunting. So, yeah, it's been quite an experience for us and, yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. and one we, we thoroughly enjoy. So, yeah, I, to get back I, to your question, I'd have to say the 3006 for me. <laughs> Currently. <laughs> no, no, that would be the – that's the, 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 the actually, the 3006 has uh, been sleeping for a while. Um, it's been through our wait for, for a couple of years now. Three but the one, that's mine. If I if I got to a, a you know a, a, a if as you said to what would be my choice I think it would be the thirty oh six that would be my choice. Yeah, I've got a well I've got a lot of rifles, but I I, I shot my first deer with a two four three, mm. um, and then I I sort of graduated from there up to thirty oh six, and I actually very first time I went to Namibia. Uh, in 1982, I think it was, I, I took I took a 3006, and uh, didn't I kill some animals with that that rifle? It was mm. um, really fantastic. Um, then I spent a lot of time with the 270. I, li- I like the seven mil because it's a little bit flatter. Um, and uh, and then probably the last the last rifle I bought was I bought a Merkel Straight Pull 3006. Yeah. And. Uh, and that shoots very nicely, um, but then I got—I decided I wanted to, to check this thermal stuff out. About, you know, I suppose sitting around <coughs> for COVID, being bored, um, I went down the gun shop and wasted some money on that, and that's been a revelation. Shooting with a with a thermal, um, I've killed a lot of pigs at night, and I've shot a few deer as well. Um, and uh, but then I've got—I've done a lot of—I've got a couple of double rifles. Um, for shooting big game with, um, I've got a I've got a 500 uh, Jeffrey uh, bolt rifle. Um, I don't shoot that much anymore because I've had both my my shoulders reconstructed. <laughs> oh, well, no wonder you looked around the room um, recently. I've got. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, I've got I've got a Merkel. Uh, sorry, not a Merkel. I've got a a Heim double rifle which I've shot. A few elephants with. I've got a Holland and Holland as well, um, and I've got uh, the 500. Oh, the 338 uh, Win Win Mag has been a real favourite of mine over the years. I've shot a lot of animals with that. I shot my bears, caribous, moose with the 338. Um, mm. Excellent calibre for a big game, thin skin stuff in uh, North America. Yeah, so there's. An awful lot of awful lot of stuff there that uh, mm. over the years, you know, you get the op- opportunity to use, and I've done all my own hand loading too over the years. Yeah, saw the we saw the press next to the to the tar actually. When you, oh, you yeah. did, when you did the scan, oh, there was oh, a press yeah. right next to the <laughs> tar. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, as I was saying earlier, there's an awful lot of good stuff that this culture gets you into, mm. and. Uh, um, I even got the gun dog on the on the chair there. I reckon it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, really good. But um... right. 
for me, I, I'd like to. I like. I'd like to try the Swede. I'd like to try and get a rifle and lefty in Swede in the six point five. Six point five. Yeah, the Swede. I'd like. I'd like. Uh, that might be my. You know, my retirement gun. You never retire. <laughs> never retire. Never say sorry. Never retire. <laughs> never explain. Just get on with it. Okay. It's good to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. I'm just going to again say thank say, you. I, I think I think it's yep. been really insightful. I've, uh, you, you take a what potentially is a dry subject to make it uh, really interesting. So, thank you for coming on. Um, a, a very positive outlook on on uh, I guess my perspective and a whole bunch of other people's perspective when they listen to this. So, um, thanks very much. There's there's uh, seems like a, a whole bunch of other topics we can cover. On a on a rerun of this uh, sometime in the future, if you'll uh, if you'll come back to us. But um, thanks again. Say hi to Boyley for us, and um, maybe we'll we'll catch you in the field yeah. at some point. Po- I will. Pottery boil. Will. Pottery boil. <laughs> Pottery <laughs> Potter- <laughs> boil. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Long footed pottery. That's, right. that's what it is. <laughs> short. He, he's short knee. Long footed. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much, guys. Okay. Uh, really good to chat. Um, the time has completely disappeared. I just can't believe it's been two and a quarter hours. But uh, anyway, yeah, it good. just shows what happens when you're talking about things you like to talk about. That's right. With exactly. people you like to talk to. So thank you very much for having me on and uh, ha- happy to come back if you want to listen to me again um, anytime. That's hey, great. We appreciate your time too, mate. Very much so. Yep. Thanks. All the so, best. Thanks, okay, Ron. then.